Welcome back to another episode of Authentically Happy. I'm your host, Michelle Savoie, Certified Life Coach with a Master's Degree in Applied Positive Psychology. The last couple of weeks, we've been talking about setting goals, New Year's resolutions, and motivation. So this week, I want to talk about what to do when you fall off track, when you make a mistake, or life just doesn't go the way you planned. Many of us beat ourselves up. We tell ourselves that we always do this, that we're lazy, and we're not capable of reaching the high standards that we set for ourselves. We go hard on ourselves because we've been led to believe that that's how you motivate people. That's how you get them to do better. That's how you keep them from being lazy, from being a menace to society. When in reality, it only instills feelings of shame and guilt and isolation along with other negative feelings that end up hindering your success. I want you to think of the last time you made a mistake, or maybe a time when you were focusing on something that was seemingly wrong with yourself. So maybe you're thinking about a time you slept in and you missed a morning workout, or you're thinking about a time when you were looking in the mirror and thinking about how ugly you looked. Hold this memory in your mind for a moment. I want you to think about how you were talking to yourself in that moment. What are the things that you were saying to yourself? What kind of language were you using? What kind of tone were you speaking in? How were you treating yourself in those moments? And while you might not have been saying these things out loud, you were probably thinking them in your head to yourself. Now imagine exactly those things you were saying to yourself and how you were treating yourself. Imagine you had to say those things exactly as you did to yourself to someone you loved, a close friend, a spouse, a child. Would you ever? Probably not. Usually, we end up speaking more harshly to ourselves than we could ever imagine speaking to a close friend or a relative or even a stranger. If we spoke to someone in our lives the way that we speak to ourselves, we would most likely lose that relationship. The other person would not put up with being treated like that. They would probably start to distance themselves from you. Well, we actually end up doing the exact same thing with ourselves without even realizing it. We become so harsh and critical of ourselves that we start to avoid doing certain things or thinking about certain things or even lying to ourselves to avoid these things because we don't want to face our weaknesses or our mistakes because of the backlash that we know will be waiting for us. And from whom? From ourselves. We start to separate from that part of ourselves and even from life itself. We start to live in a distortion of reality. We can't be authentically happy if we are not seeing reality for what it truthfully is. So let's talk about why we as humans tend to lean into self-criticism. We live in societies that are based off of these hierarchies where we are constantly striving to belong to the community, to climb higher on the ladder, because the individuals who are higher in society, they're more connected. 
and they're less likely to be rejected and they have more access to resources. So from a basic survival standpoint, everything that we do is to keep ourselves safe and protected. We're afraid of being ostracized and cut off from society. So we do everything that we can to try to fit in, to feel valuable, and to feel in control of our future. So in this journey of trying to reach our full potential and trying to be the most perfect version of ourselves that we can be, we have a hard time admitting when we're wrong or when we've made a mistake or when we're not perfect. We as humans will go to extreme lengths to try to prove that we are flawless, we are perfect, and there's nothing wrong with us but it actually ends up hindering our success and keeps us from reaching our full potential because we cannot grow if we do not acknowledge our weaknesses and use them as an opportunity to learn and grow. Now, it's very common for us as humans to try to boost our ego by putting others down so that we can feel better about ourselves. This is referred to as the downward social comparison or the tendency to see others in a negative light so that our view of ourselves seems more positive. When you put someone else down to make yourself feel better, you might feel good for a moment, but after a while, shame and guilt are going to creep in. You know you're not perfect, but most people try to hide this truth, even from themselves. Because when we do face a flaw, we start to tell ourselves, well, we're not good enough, we're not valuable, and we end up losing hope, and we start to doubt our own potential. And this derails us even more. So we end up trying to avoid this completely, and just not facing the flaws. And so as I was talking about, you know, putting someone down to make yourself feel better, We even do this to ourselves. When you mess up, you get angry with yourself because it gives you a sense of strength, of power, and control. You get angry at yourself and you start to self-criticize because it gives you a chance to feel higher than the part of you that made the mistake. So you can feel like, although I made a mistake, there's a part of me that knows better. There's a part of me that got angry at that other part of me. So at least I'm not a total loss. At least there's a part of me that still knows better than that. We strive for perfection so much that we start to fragment ourselves and blame ourselves and start to disassociate from parts of ourselves in order to try to save face. And now more than ever, it feels so unacceptable in our society to be average. Everyone is always trying to be above average, to be extra special in one way or another. And it seems like being average is a failure, which it shouldn't be. Because the truth is, no matter who you are, there is always going to be someone who's prettier than you, who's funnier than you, who's more successful than you, who's smarter than you. And trying to suppress the fact that everybody is flawed, everybody makes mistakes. Trying to suppress this, it just leads to anxiety, depression, and insecurity. 
So how can we change the way that we speak to ourselves in order to increase motivation, well-being, and in order to be more authentically happy? The answer is self-compassion. While self-criticism can destroy your self-esteem, self-compassion encourages you to speak to yourself with the same kindness and understanding that you would a friend. For example, would you tell a friend that they're lazy and stupid and they just need to do the thing? Or would you sit with them and try to understand what's happening with them? Have patience with them and ask them what they need. How can you help them to move forward? You most likely would offer your help in a gentle way. And this is how we want to approach ourselves when we mess up. This is going to lead to us living more authentically happy. Self-compassion can act as a buffer for stress because when you are faced with a challenge and you practice self-compassion, you will be able to navigate the situation with kindness towards yourself, working through it more calmly, and you will bounce back more effectively since you'll be maintaining a positive outlook, which will help you to preserve your mental and emotional well-being. It's important to note that self-compassion is not self-pity and it's not self-indulgence. It is acknowledging and doing what is best for you and for your health in a kind and compassionate way. There are three major elements to self-compassion. They are self-kindness, mindfulness, and a sense of common humanity, recognizing that all humans have a shared experience of challenges and struggle. Now, when you think of self-compassion, self-kindness is probably what comes to your mind. It's giving yourself the same kindness that you would show to a friend, a relative, or even a stranger. Self-kindness involves using language that is gentle, supportive, and nurturing when talking to yourself. It's offering comfort to yourself during challenging moments, and it may include soothing activities, self-care practices, or simply acknowledging that difficult times are a part of life and not a reflection of personal failure. Being kind to yourself means recognizing and validating your emotions without judgment. It involves recognizing that emotions, even the difficult ones, are a natural part of life. Self-kindness involves forgiving yourself for past mistakes. It involves letting go of guilt and shame and self-blame, recognizing that learning and growth often comes from challenging situations. Self-kindness is also making choices that prioritize your well-being. This might include setting boundaries or taking breaks or engaging in activities that bring you joy and relaxation. Self-kindness is also creating a positive and supportive mental environment. This means consciously fostering thoughts and beliefs that uplift and encourage rather than criticize. Self-kindness also involves acknowledging and celebrating achievements no matter how small. Now, the second element of self-compassion is mindfulness. Mindfulness refers to seeing clearly what is happening in the present moment and accepting that without judgment. 
Mindfulness is seeing things as they truly are without judging them as good or bad. And this includes acknowledging when you're experiencing pain. Now, it's natural from a survival standpoint to try to avoid pain and suffering. We typically try to ignore it because pain and suffering typically would mean danger. And your fight or flight response wants you to avoid whatever it is that would be causing the pain. When in reality, it's not a tiger chasing you that's causing this pain. So facing the pain head on with self-compassion is going to allow you to acknowledge, heal, and grow from the pain and suffering. It's common to avoid unwanted emotions like guilt or shame or sadness or loneliness. We often try to skip over the feeling the emotions part and jump right into the problem-solving part. But taking a moment to acknowledge that you're enduring a difficult time that the pain and suffering is real and that it deserves a kind and caring response. This will help you to release the pain and suffering and allow you to learn and grow from the situation. Avoiding and suppressing the pain will only lead to stress and anxiety, which will eventually lead to burnout and overexhausting yourself. Now, the third element to self-compassion is recognizing and reminding yourself that encountering pain is a part of the human experience. Everyone experiences pain and suffering, everyone makes mistakes, and nobody is perfect. No one can escape their flaws. Recognizing this and reminding yourself of this will help you to feel more connected in the world. It will help to decrease feelings of isolation, and loneliness, and it'll help you to be kinder to yourself. Self-compassion is driven by love and is therefore a much more effective motivator than self-criticism, which is driven by fear. Because with fear comes insecurity, anxiety, and depression. Love and self-compassion allows you to feel confident and secure, knowing that even if you fail, even if you make a mistake, you will still be met with kindness and support. So how can we really implement self-compassion? You can acknowledge that everyone faces difficulties. Understanding that this is a shared experience and you're not the only one struggling can help you to feel less isolated and it can help to cultivate empathy and connection. Stop judging yourself as good or bad. Try to just see yourself as you are, whatever that means. Stop trying to judge your thoughts and your emotions as good or bad. Try to just accept them for what they are. Treat yourself with love, kindness, and compassion. Stop the self-criticism, even in joking. We tend to make jokes that put ourselves down almost as a way to beat someone else to the punchline, almost as if to say, I'd rather have you laughing with me than laughing at me. So acknowledge when you're using self-criticism as a defense mechanism. Recognize your suffering and replace the negative self-judgment with self-acceptance, fostering self-kindness, acknowledging that this shared human experience is flawed and practicing mindfulness all lead to greater self-compassion, which is going to help you lead 
a more authentically happy life. As you learn to be kinder to yourself, you will pave the way for a more content and fulfilling life. One that thrives on compassion, connection, and a balanced perspective on the human experience. Now, let's quickly go through all of the benefits that self-compassion can lead to. Self-compassion leads to enhanced emotional well-being, reduced stress and anxiety, improved mental health, increased resilience, boosted self-esteem, and better relationship satisfaction, greater motivation, and even improved physical health. It also, of course, increases mindfulness because that's one of the components of self-compassion, helps to reduce perfectionism, and it leads to enhanced coping strategies as well as improved decision-making. And the downfalls of self-criticism. Self-criticism leads to a lot more stress and anxiety. It leads to lower self-esteem, insecurity, and depression. It contributes to increased perfectionism, and it causes strain on relationships and performance. Self-criticism also increases your sensitivity to rejection. It increases procrastination and also leads to decreased physical health. It can have a negative impact on your mental health, and it limits your creativity and innovation. And lastly, it decreases your motivation. It's essential to recognize the negative impact that self-criticism can have on our lives. When we seek strategies to cultivate more self-compassion in our lives, we can develop a healthier relationship with ourselves and contribute to improved mental and emotional well-being. So this week, I'd like to challenge you to reflect on yourself, on your life, and how you treat yourself. Think about how you talk to yourself, whether it's when you make a mistake or when you're looking at yourself in the mirror or when you're thinking about your choices in life and the things that you do, your behaviors. What is your typical reaction to yourself? What's your typical inner dialogue sound like? What kind of words do you use to describe yourself, to talk to yourself? Really reflect on what all of that looks like for you and try to come up with a plan to replace your self-criticism and your self-judgment with self-compassion and self-acceptance. Something else you could do is also to write a letter to yourself from the point of view of a friend. So if you were a friend talking to yourself, how would you talk to yourself? What would that friend be saying? How would they be treating you? And how would they be acting towards you? Try to see yourself from a third person point of view and write yourself a letter. And then reflect back on that letter and imagine what it would be like if you implemented that in your everyday life, if you spoke to yourself the way a friend would speak to you, if you treated yourself with kindness and compassion, what would that look like for you? How would that change how you feel about yourself? I wish you well in your reflections. And remember, anytime you're trying to make a change, you're literally fighting with your mind. It's important to remember that our brains 
have beliefs that have been solidified over time, and they will always try to find evidence to support what you've always believed. So if you are really deep in self-criticism, it may be very difficult for you to switch over to self-compassion. It may even feel impossible, but just know that it is possible. Self-compassion takes time and practice. Be gentle with yourself as you try to make this change. Remind yourself that you are safe. Remind yourself that you are safe and be a kind and compassionate friend to yourself. Until next time, take care. Thank you.